and welcome to the Vintage Podcast. I have two special guests with me in the studio today. Would you like to introduce yourselves, guys? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I am Charlotte Humphrey, and I am an editor at Chatham Windows. And I'm Anna Fletcher. I'm an editor at Jonathan Cape. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I've tempted them down to my recording room basement uh, to talk about motherhood because I'm absolutely obsessed with this book by Sheila Hetty called Motherhood. Uh, it's a very honest, um, fictionalised but based on on personal experiences, she says, um, look at the decision to become a mother or not become a mother and who's making that decision for us and whether we should feel pressured uh, to do it. Um, so um, I felt very, as a, as a young person, which is something that I can't can't say for very much longer. <laughs> yeah, make the most of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, as as somebody who who is either on the brink of being expected to have children, or or but is also surrounded by a lot of friends who already have maybe one or two children, uh, is definitely a topic that's coming from my own life. And I felt like the book was voicing things that were almost naughty. Like I was like, oh, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to hmm. um, voice though voice those those apprehensions. Um, so um, I know you guys have read the book too. Uh, so I would love to like chat to you about how you felt about it. Um, but I wanted to talk first maybe about how we felt before we picked up the book. So how comfortable or uncomfortable were you made by the subject of the book? And were you drawn to it or were you a bit nervous to pick it up at first? I was actually um, briefly put off reading it because I thought it was about having babies. <laughs> and The title does suggest. <laughs> when I discovered that that might not in fact be the main thrust, I was very excited and eager to start reading. I I was curious to check out Sheila Hetty because I'd heard a lot about How Should a Person Be, but I'd never read it. And, um, yeah, and so this was my... You know, I, I'd been thinking for a while, I, I want to see what she's about. Um, and I am very much at the age where one of the main topics of conversation among my friends is, is children, uh, whether we want them or not how that's going to change our lives. Um, so, yeah, I think this book is definitely, you know, for me. Yeah, we yeah. are all the target market. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of also feel like I cast a lot of aspersions when um, I say, like, oh, I feel a lot of pressure to be uh, a mother or become a mother, and whether that's really true now. Do you think, because there's also some people who will say, like, actually, we're kind of past that now. People can, you know, women can either have everything, have it all, if that's possible, mm. in inverted commas, um, or, or that there's just really not that pressure there, and perhaps it's a pressure that we've read about <laughs> from yeah. the past and, and isn't, actually, isn't actually real. What would you say to those people? Do you think it is really... I feel no external pressure whatsoever uh, mm. to have children, but I think all the pressure com comes from me and the sort of going around in circles uh, with the question, which, you know, is sort of what the book does as well. Mm. Um, but no, I'm there's, there is nobody putting pressure on me to have kids. That's what about you, Charlotte? I think, I think perhaps it's changed from pressure to expectation mm -hmm. and that is perhaps gentler but is still can feel relentless because mm. I'm very much at the stage where it is an option for me and frequently told I will change my mind mm -hmm. so I think it is still there mm -hmm. I think it's still the default and a lot of people are still surprised and occasionally mildly horrified that you might choose to opt out of it rather than have that choice taken away from you. Mm. 
Because I, I think, yeah, it, it becomes more of like an emotional pressure rather than a practical one. It's like, well, what would you do without children? People don't say that, but they say like, oh, but it'd be such a shame. They do. <laughs> You'd be such mm. a good mother. Oh, what a pity. You, well, but yeah, what a pity. Um, what if you changed your mind and it was it was too late? But it's interesting to me, I think, that people don't say that at a wedding. <laughs> They're not like, well, you might change your mind. <laughs> or like, you know, this is a very permanent decision. Like if people feel, if people yeah. exter- externalise a, a decision of theirs that is like in, in essence permanent, in theory permanent anyway, people don't tend to question it. But if it's something, it's it's the not doing something, <laughs> it feels a little bit more, yeah. I think also, I think as, well, you know, as as socialised women, as people people have grown up as women, um, it's, it's, there is a, a certain precedent for friendships to be based on um mutual experiences so a lot of my whatsapp groups have mm. turned into what's your baby doing <laughs> or like how tall is your baby and all these other like, like, that's questions great, but i actually like, don't need to be filled in on yeah, this it, it, it can become quite granular <laughs> in its information <laughs> and and that's again but maybe that's a way that friendships are failing and, and that maybe i should have less friendships that are based on mutual experience i've got a few quotes that i wanted to read out that i i think for for me, like I feel like a lot of the stuff from this book was like incredibly validating for the way that I I sometimes feel, and uh, some of those those feelings aren't always permanent, or I wouldn't like commit to them as like life mantras, but mm. are very um, like it was just nice to hear somebody say them. Um, so on page twenty, uh, Sheila says. Uh, The feeling of not wanting children is the feeling of not wanting someone else's idea of me. Parents have something greater than I'll ever have, but I don't want it. Even if it's so great, even if in a sense they've won the prize or grabbed the golden ring, which is a genetic relief. Relief at having procreated, success in the biological sense, which on some days seems like the only sense that matters. They have social success too. So the idea of like being successful with your body and then also kind of um uh being being worried that becoming a mother becomes you actually become somebody's idea of you because the concept of a mother is kind of an idea it's not like very real (laughs) in some ways um so I thought that was interesting and and the idea of of being a role in other people's eyes does that ever scare you or is that something or maybe something we should talk about more in literature and also that idea of becoming a mother subsuming yourself which is something that she comes back to a lot and in her in her position as an artist and a creator and where she wants to put that focus in her life. Mm. I think it's really interesting. And I'm I'm not an artist. I don't think I have... I wouldn't be turning my productive energy into creating something as wonderful as this book. But still the sense that there are... You have to make choices about what you do with your time mm. and where you put your energy yeah um and that it's not a failure to decide not to put that energy into child rearing mm. and i think also there's there's a lot of there were a lot of like hot takes i think probably about 10 years ago that were like women can have everything they can have a job and children but the, the recognition of how much work that is <laughs> is sometimes yeah, I, I, feel I think like scathed over. I'm like, that sounds actually very hard. I feel like that was like and... 90s and maybe early noughties mm. have it all feminism. And then, but I also feel like we've lived through 10, 15 years of being told women can't have it all and women need to make choices. And maybe this is a part of that conversation, even though that is kind of a conversation that bums me out. Mm. Um, that women can't have it all. Yeah, mm. that you have to prioritise, and that is possibly realistic 
I don't know. The minute someone tells me that I can't do something, I'm like, damn it. It's time to start having babies whether I want them or not. Let's get juggling. (laughs) Because I think as well it's also like like the want as a woman to be able to achieve everything, but then also feeling like... I should be able to be like, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm just being, just I'm opting tired. out of the labour and just being like, actually, like literally the labour, yeah. but also just, just being yeah. able to say, actually, I don't want to strive <laughs> to have both and everything. Um, yeah. yeah. There's something that I'm sort of struggling to articulate to myself, but in when you were talking just now about, you know, roles, the roles that you're given and also fictional roles, Sheila... Hetty is is interesting because, you know, in How Should a Person Be and Motherhood, these are two novels where the protagonist is called Sheila. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, I think as far as the reader concerned, there's, you know, a, a sort of complete conflation of author and protagonist and... Um, and you you're likely to to forget all about the novel label and just assume that you're reading um, autobiography. Yeah, it's um, so hard not to respond to it as fiction, as, as non-fiction. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Exactly. And so she so Sheila's already created. You know, there, there's Sheila Hetty, the author. There's Sheila Hetty, the pre- protagonist of her novel. So she's already created her fictional self on the page and then there's also you know when we're talking she's talking about also you know mother being another role or another um fictional creation I suppose um I feel like there's something interesting there but I can't yeah because she's almost like birthing her own (laughs) character but then I also think this is something about um privacy as as women which is why I wanted to talk to you guys about the book but then not Mm. force you to share about your lives Mm. I think we're so often like called on to like export our own experiences as like like serialized yeah the first person essay industry Mm. so so I think like by making it fiction she's almost like keeping her like drawing a boundary <laughs> yeah. being like I will commit to this as my opinion maybe yeah <laughs> on some days <laughs> and, um, I so when I read it as I think lots of people when they read it your copy is covered in post-it yes, notes and underlinings <laughs> and I bent down all my pages and took photos yeah, of them the and did like highlights of them on my phone and one of the ones about um where privacy came up mm. uh, that I circled and excitedly dogged was um what if I pursue being a bad woman and don't breed? Pursue failing biologically. Where is the realm of privacy? Only in failure. Only in our failures are we absolutely alone. Only in the pursuit of failure can a person really be free. And mm. that paragraph, like many other paragraphs, mm. just made me go, <laughs> in kind yeah. of electrified excitement and a sense of being spoken to so directly by the novel. Yeah, because it, it's actually that. But one of the quotes that I pulled out that relates to that is the, um, she she says that by being a woman, you can't just say you don't want a child. You have to have some big plan or idea that that you're, that's going on instead, and it better be something great, and you better be able to tell it convincingly before it even happens what the arc of your life will be. Mm. So it's, again, it's like she's just kind of making like nervous. It's a bit stressful. But yeah, but yeah, but the idea that it's like just pursuing failure. <laughs> at something that somebody expects mm. something of you rather than being like oh but also I have this really cool project that I swear I will add up don't to worry, as good as a human don't worry this is why I'm not yeah. doing babies <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's because I'm doing something that is 
better yeah. or at least as good. But I'd be tempted to like be like like just lie and be like, actually, I'm building a, a huge miniature village in my back garden, but I'm only going <laughs> to unveil it in my eighties because it's very <laughs> precise. I have and no reason to believe project. this is a lie, Lena. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's just I'm, I'm on I can't the wait to see so it. Far. But you know what I mean? And they get to eighty and they'll be like, jokes, there yeah. is no garden, but it's too late now because my womb is. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, but again, it, it is like this this whole like calling calling on women to to explain what the plan of their life is if it's not children yeah. <laughs> or in a way that men aren't really called on to do because I think yeah it's like you I have a lot of I've surrounded myself and also just self-selecting to have a lot of feminist women around me who are like you don't have to do that mm. but there is also this I feel like there's there's always got to be a footnote of like but I am doing this in ter- mm. terribly impressive thing instead um, yeah. But yeah and when what you were saying just now about wanting to talk about the book without necessarily having to go into the details of our own lives yeah. and circumstances when you asked us earlier about you know the pressure to be a mother or to have children I answered and then Charlotte answered and when I was thinking about our different answers it's like well actually it's because we're at different yeah. you know stages in our sort of like you know in terms of who's in a relationship who's single etc mm. and I think that very much informed the way we both answered um, and as soon as Charlotte was answering, I was like, I wanted to jump in and be like, oh, but that's because, you yes. know, <laughs> because of your current circumstances and my current circumstances. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Is that relevant? Yeah, I think it is. And I think also what's interesting for me is that like I, I, I was told because I've got PCOS, so like polycystic ovary syndrome. And I was told from a young age that I might struggle to conceive. And, it, and like, I, it doesn't really bother me. And it's actually something that kind of liberated me, I think, as a teenager a bit from being like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, liberated <laughs> um, you from you the know, high anxiety yeah, yeah. Although levels. I did still use protection, to be clear. <laughs> I'm opting out in that way. But, but like this thing of like, if I was more emotional about that or if it's something that I was really banking on and that's something that was that was, had really upset me to have how often people have over the last 10 years gone, are you going to have kids? having to then be like, well, actually, I might struggle to conceive. Like, right. it's a very personal yeah, yeah, aspersion yeah. that people say at you that I'm like, well, one in four people have polycystic ovary syndrome. So, like, yeah, it's it's an interesting, like... That's the thing. Like, anyone, you know, you, you get asked that question by near strangers all the time. Mm. But then the... Yeah, exactly. The the answers are so. It can be very private. How do you think this is any of your yeah. business? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people, could, you know, you could be like, "Well, like, you're gonna have children," and somebody turns around and says, "Oh, well, actually, I've had three abortions, so they've scarred me for life." Yeah. So, I'm like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's or, not bus yeah, stop. Or I've lost a yeah, or I've lost a child, or mm. yeah, yeah. It can be very. But again, it's just like restructuring how we how we do conversation and what the automatic mm. like weather style. What have you been out in the rain today? And um, how many children do you have? Do you, yeah. So another thing I was like, can you think of any? Because we've all read some books, probably more than some people, less than others. Um, can you think of any like characters in, in fiction that don't have children? Because <laughs> that's something I struggle to do. Oh man, do you're putting more? me on the spot Sorry. here. <laughs> we can we can we can return yeah. to that or not? But you, I women. think yeah, female characters. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yes, but I'd I need think, to go yes, away and also, think about it. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah. I think I do read a lot of books about young women, I think, mm-hmm. and I read a lot of recently published books, so I think I'm probably self-selecting that. Mm. Um, but I think there's a whole genre of, like, spinster lit, you know? Yeah, that's true. <sighs> like, mid-20th <laughs> <Yes>. century. <laughs> the dream. <laughs> lit, so, yeah. yeah, I think that actually there's quite a big... Yeah, maybe we should make it there. They feature, definitely. Yeah, but perhaps not mainstream. 
wonder if that would like did Emma ever have children? I think she did. I'm she does. Austin wise. She's she at the end. Or do they tell she her? She holds a baby. And yeah. Mr. Knightley's like, oh my God. <laughs> Look at lie. you. <laughs> I think it's partially a question of where the story ends in a lot of novels. Yeah, I agree. Is that it mm. ends with marriage. And then there's an implication that... Yeah, and then it's just assumed that there will be babies. Yeah. But we have not considered that to be interesting or worth writing about. Yeah. In comparison to the... Mm falling in love and getting together part, the mm. living and deciding onward trajectory yeah. has been less of a focus. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, like, kind of... If they don't have children, they're, they're often bereaved. Or the, actually the most interesting one, if we talk about classics, I really like The Awakening by Kate Chopin because mm. she has children, but she kind of leaves them, which is cruel. <laughs> but also <laughs> an, interesting, an interesting juncture in history to write a book like that, yeah. where she's just like, my children aren't... I love my children, but they're not my whole self and they're not yeah. going to make me happy, so I'm going to go. But, I mean, she was very rich, so there was a lot of nannies involved in that abandonment, mm. I think. Um, but, yeah, th- there's this um, point in the book where Sheila writes, um, my brother feels... I did it again, though. It's not Sheila. It's the character Sheila I says. Mean, <laughs> yeah, the character, yeah. Yeah. Sheila um, does write. She, she does write. Sheila has written it in the character of Sheila. <laughs> uh, my brother feels it was an, an unfair burden placed on him to have been forced to live without having been asked. I feel the opposite, that life is a beautiful and incredibly rare gift um, whose debt I will forever be in and that I must spend my days paying this debt back. Mm. Uh, But where did I get this idea of indebtedness from and and who do I pay it back to? And she goes on to kind of unpacking that, like repaying debt in some way to having been given something. Um, And again, I guess it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, the, the amount of like freedom that women have had over the centuries kind of dictates how many ways we can pay that debt back Mm. (laughs) and perhaps now we have more ways to pay the debt back I think Um, um, it's so interesting and I found it very moving and this is a slight spoiler mm. I suppose but when she ultimately decides not to have children, the character it's kind of framed as a gift to her mother Mm. for all the things that her mother suffered and that her mother didn't get to do this Mm. is Sheila's gift and this is a familial commitment Mm. like her decision not to have children is a decision based in family Mm. um and her mother and her grandmother's lives and I yeah I found that very moving yeah you know what it's a real relief to hear you say that about you know the the protagonist deciding not to have children because that's very much how I read it but I went to an event that that Sheila did a couple of months ago when the book was launched here in the UK and I asked a question and I can't remember what the, what the question was but it involved me saying the words when the protagonist decides not to have children and when you know she answered she said well actually I, I think that the book leaves it open as to whether uh, that the protagonist hasn't, you know, made up her mind, really? and, that, and that's open. And I thought, oh god, am I, you know, have I completely misread this? So it's I mean, I suppose she could always retract change her mind. Yeah. yeah, of course, which she's doing throughout the novel. Yeah, I for um, me it felt okay, good, relatively conclusive yeah, by the end. Too. But maybe that's personal bias as well. Yeah, maybe it's that whoever. Um, 
however you feel at the end of the book, that's how you think yeah, the protagonist is persuaded. No, it's, it's a trick on, on earth. Yes, and difficult not to um, overlay yourself on all of it. But I do... Yeah, exactly. um, <clears throat> sorry, I, I agree with you that a lot, the, a lot of the emotional... Um, you know, the heart in the book lies in, in examining... in Sheila examining her, the, her relationship with her own mother. And, um, and that, as much as you know, this, this question of will I, won't I, is really driving, driving the, the narrative. And, um, yeah, and it's really moving. Mm. Yeah, because I think it's quite freeing as well to, because for, well, maybe evolutionary reasons and also just pride reasons, we've been like, we've got to carry on the bloodline. Mm. <laughs> and actually, as we become more educated and are like, actually, there's, there's not that much difference in the bloodline and there's all people are important. There's nothing about my bloodline. And, yeah, <laughs> um, you, you, don't, you don't have to always... Yeah, that's that's not that shouldn't be as much of a concern in a kind of like um, self-preservation way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, do you do Can you I have read another <coughs> bit? Yes, of course. Um, since we're on the topic, this is and this plays into the stuff about mm. what I view to be her decision. Yeah. Um, rather than repopulating the world, might it not be better to say we have learned from our history about the farthest reaches of cruelty and sadism and evil? And so, in protest, we will make no more people, no more people for a hundred years. In retaliation for the crimes that were committed against us, we will make no more aggressors and no more victims, and in this way, do good things with our wounds. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But again, I think that's an example of her being able to write that as fiction and then not commit to it, because it's like... Also, would, would people who have children read that and be like, well, actually, <laughs> you know? Mm. Yeah, we are talking as mm. three people. Yeah. Without, yeah, without, <laughs> without. Um, as a last question, do you guys have conversations like this often with your friends, and should we be having more conversations mm. about it? Um, I think what I really appreciated about the book is that um, I have these conversations on a very surface level with my friends. I think, or you know, maybe not that surface, but what what Sheila does in this book is kind of take those conversations that we're having all the time and really sort of see the thinking through to the very end and really kind of take it as far as it will go. And so I feel like she's moved my thinking on a lot. And, you know, where I get a bit lazy about thinking stuff through, she has really done it for us. And, mm. yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, she considers every angle and follows every angle yeah. to its logical conclusion. Yeah. And she plays it all out and... We haven't talked about the um, the coin tosses, yeah. mm. but I think the repetition and how circular the questioning often is, and she goes round and round, mm -hmm. and she thinks about these things again and again from different perspectives. It's expanding that slightly drunken. 45 minute conversation mm. I often have <laughs> into a meaningful meditation on the subject yeah uh, yeah because yeah. Yeah, it is one of the you know biggest philosophical questions around like whether or not to create another yeah. human being and it deserves serious really consideration considering it rather than it being an automatic or rather than it being relegated to you know the, the private sphere even because it, it's a uh, it's a public, you know, issue. And, um, yeah, and the private sort of domestic women's 
sphere, you know. Mm. My absolutely favourite thing about this book was the way that it um, opens up a sort of serious, you know, rigorous discussion around PMS, which mm. I've never read before. And I feel like I spend so much of my life thinking about PMS and, and you know, when you're kind of in, in the midst of it and, and you can feel like an entirely different person and then you kind of come out the other side and you're like, but which version of, which version is me, you know? Mm. Is it me I'm only truly I'm... myself yeah. during PMS. <laughs> when I'm very angry. I, there was definitely a, a piece, like a hot take think piece, yeah. a couple of years ago about how the PMS you is the true you. Uh. And if women just released the rage they felt right. for those five days a month, we yeah. would, you know, well, we, we would achieve all sorts of things <laughs> yeah. if we stopped suppressing it for the other. I mean, yeah, but, or rage or, you know, days. great sadness or great happiness yeah. or whatever it is you you know you do the demonstrative PMS. extremes yeah. i don't think i get angry i think i get indignant i'm like right. <laughs> oh you want me to come to work do you <laughs> wow oh, very big presumption you. Yeah. you know um no but, i get disappointingly tearful yeah but you're right she's amazing on hormones the experience of living with hormones yeah <laughs> and gives that space and the same sort of um, yeah, rigorous philosophical consideration that that she gives to to everything else. Um, yeah, I absolutely love her for that. Yeah, no, I definitely. I think it's kind of it. It's part of the conversation that's missing. I feel there's mm. like that all the other books around it exist, and this one doesn't exist to to silence those ones. <laughs> it's just that it's like it's it's part of the spectrum that's just not on the shelf as often. Yeah, I think so. I think it's good. Well, I don't know if I'd have found it if it was in parenting, to be fair. So maybe we need a new shelving mark that's just like people who are considering maybe. parenthood. Yes, <laughs> a maybe, maybe shelf. shelf. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts yeah. um, about motherhood and um, recommend that everybody goes and reads it. It does sound terrifying when you say sharing your thoughts about motherhood. Yeah, <laughs> so you're, even that, you're like, <laughs> motherhood with so a capital much. M. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sheila motherhood. motherhood. Yeah, yes. definitely. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Vintage Podcast. If you enjoy the Vintage Podcast and think that other people might too, help other people find it by reviewing it on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. If you want to chat with me and the other Vintage Bookish experts, uh, you can tweet us at Vintage Books. And until next time. <laughs>